Hello and welcome to another video MANA podcast. I'm Pastor Jeff Glenn and it's my pleasure to take you through the Word each week. So we've been uh, cruising through Genesis here. We find ourselves in chapter 14 and uh, this strange uh, king named Chedelamor. Um, different pronunciations of that, so I'm sure that's quite perfectly the right way to pronounce that. Anyway, his name uh, means something along the lines of worshiper of, and then the lamer part at the end, that is um, thought to be an Elamite deity. And so here we have um, uh, a king named worshiper of, and then this um, pagan deity. And he gathers together this um, unholy alliance of these three other kings in in the area, um, which is in what we would come to know as Mesopotamia, that region. And so they set about terrorizing the area that would become like the southeastern part of Israel on the south of the Jordan Dead Sea area. And so they, they, they bring this, he brings this coalition together against uh, the local kings and tribal leaders of the area and causes them to submit and begin to pay him tribute. And so all goes very swimmingly until about 13 years later when they've kind of had enough. They're like, we, we're tired of the tyranny and paying tribute, um, no taxation without representation maybe, um, but, they, but they rebel, they, they stop paying the tribute. And so this gets uh, Chedorlaomer's um, angst up, and he, um, not only his angst, but his covetousness and his pride, because he's had these uh, income stream for 12 years from these uh, area kings that have paid him tribute, and now they've stopped. And so his covetousness and pride and this thirst for money um, would lead him, um, and those aligned with him on the bloody rampage to to basically show them who's, who's boss. And so uh, he, he, they, he would come through again and have this um, basically a, a rampage that they would come in and, and sack these cities, carry off the people and, and the, the, the treasure. And um, so it was very bloody, very, um, very wild and crazy, but it would also be his downfall. And it, in this... In this sweeping through of the region, uh, putting his foot down again, bringing these areas back under his submission, it says here that he even um, came and attacked and then defeated the the Rephaim, which is um, a, a name that has been used to describe giants. And it says here he even defeated them. And so, um, in the Greek, the the words that are used are are are, are gigas and titanus which uh, we use, you know, we get the word titan from. So, so, so um, that's the kind of words that are used to translate here what is described as these um, essentially giants. And, you know, depending on the text that you read, um, they're generally described as somewhere between seven and ten feet tall and called mighty men. We, we hear that in this other scripture. Um, we even know in other writings around the area that Egyptians wrote of, of giants who lived in the land of Canaan. And so, so the, the region is full of this folklore of giants being in the land. But we even see in Deuteronomy 3.11 the same idea 
from the same area. So this is the same area as the Rephaim are here being referred to in Deuteronomy 3.11. And it says, For only King Og of Bashan remained of the remnant of the giants. Indeed, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. Is it not in Rebah of the people of Ammon? Nine cubits its length and four cubits its width, according to the standard cubit. So for those of you who are up on your cubit uh, conversion, that's uh, 12 feet by 6 feet for, for the rest of us. So quite a big, quite a big bed um, for this here. And you know, in the writing of Deuteronomy, it's, it's making it clear that, hey, it's just over here in this town of Rebah. Uh, of the people of Ammon, if, you know, so um, very much written as if these large stature people are are real. And Chedorlaomer and his army came through and defeated them. And so the, the point of all this is to say that that this army that King Chedorlaomer had um, brought up was quite the juggernaut. I mean, it swept through the land, defeated the armies. Um, all throughout the south and east up through uh, the Dead Sea and that eastern part of the Jordan. And then they come into uh, the area of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is right in there too, on that eastern part of, of that Dead Sea area. And, you know, we know that Abram and Lot had split, and Abram had only recently settled um, in the area of Sodom, as we know from last week. But when we get to verse 12 in chapter 14, we see that Lot is now dwelling in Sodom, whereas last week he was only kind of cozying up as close as he could get. So he's, he's moved in into Sodom. And this compromise had only gotten worse, right, from, from outside Sodom now to inside. And even though you know, we don't see any direct um, information from our text that says that Lot or his family kind of participated in the debauchery that was going on in Sodom. It certainly wasn't something that was going to benefit him and his family, as we'll see here, because as Chedorlaomer and his band of barbarians swept through the area in Sodom, they picked up um, Lot, his household, his wealth, and that was part of the, the, the program. They took those people into captivity and continued on their, their rampage throughout the region. Where we come to our story today in 14, we see that Abram has heard about this and he's building up his own army. So he takes uh, 318 of his trained servants and gives chase. And he chases Chedorlaomer all the way up to the region of, of Dan, which is the very kind of tip top of what is now Israel, and defeats Chedorlaomer there, and we see this in this force or in this um, story where he takes his forces and he divides them up by night and he attacks at night um, while they're unaware and less able to fight back. Um, and so we see that he's victorious in this attack and he's able to bring Lot and his family and his wealth um, and all of the, kind of the wealth that Chedorlaomer had gathered up for himself was brought back with um, Abram. And so in verse 17, it says that the king of Sodom, whose, whose name means son of evil, right? Um, so this king of Sodom meets Abram as he's coming back from the victory, meets him and says, um, 
you know, it's very interesting, you know, first of all, you know, here we have this king who has just had his town ransacked by this mob and, you know, this army, and yet um, he waits for Abram to come back from the victory. So he didn't give chase, right? So he's very cowardice in, in his kingship here. But now he's trying to, to take advantage of the situation with Abram's victory. And so at this point, we see a very interesting character, Melchizedek, um, who some say that is a pre-incarnate of Jesus or a theophany. And so in verse 18, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, or blessed be Abram, God, man, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. And so I think we'll visit more next week, this Melchizedek, king of Salem. But it's interesting here that we see that the victory is attributed to God. And the, the king of Sodom is coming out and trying to, to take some of that um, victory for himself. So... You know, yes, Abram gathered his men, he, he gave chase, he plotted and was successful in his plot to defeat uh, Chedorlaomer. And But we see here that, that rightly that the victory was given to God. And so this is when the king of Sodom, this son of evil, tries to cut a deal with Abraham. But Abram sees right through it. And so the, the king of Sodom basically says, hey... I know you just risked your life and gave chase while I was safely back in my home, but why don't you give me the people and then I'll let you uh, take all the goods for yourself. Trying to weasel in on, on Abram's uh, promise or Abram's victory here. But Abram's response is one that honored God because he says in verse 22, he says, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, and the possessor of heaven and earth. So he's given, given God all of the glory. And he says that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, um, Aner, Eshkol, Mamre, let them take their portion. So Abram's been, been clued in by God that, that Sodom is going to come in and try to cut this deal with him to, to make him look like he is the one who has made Abram rich. And Abram doesn't have anything to do with it because he knows that the victory has come from the Lord. And so this honorable response is, is part of, no doubt, why Abram is listed in Hebrews among the hall of faith um, because of his giving credit and this tithe, giving this tithe, we'll probably touch on that next week too, um, giving this tithe to the Lord. And so it's helpful for us because we also have an enemy who wants to step in and, and take rather than give, right? So let our response be one that is wise and God-honoring as well. And so until next week, stay in the Word and stay encouraged.